Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's a new week of Cinematics. This is episode 218. New episode, new movies. We just got done with our Patreon. It's dark outside. I need some new lights actually here. But how are you doing, guys? What did you, Eric? Can you tell our listeners what beautiful movies we covered for our Patreon? We had Heart Eight, which is like, you know a PTA film, but the piece yeah, of the resistance. Right. Yeah, it's all right. It's Heart Eight's fine, but we did uh, cover the cinematic masterpiece. It is Project Elf. Project and, Elf. Uh, I know, Greg, that was like one of your favorite movies you saw this year. That's not a movie that came out this year. So that that was very that was very exciting to see. I was not expecting that from you, but I have no idea what you just t- told me right now. But Bruce, what what is Eric trying to say about Project Alpha? You you defended him. You defended Eric. <laughs> I think, Eric. I think he's trying to tell you that he might have a gambling problem because both movies involve some gambling issues. So um, we're just we're just having a little bit of an intervention here for you there, Greg. So I do need some intervention. I threw a lot of vectives or invectives, a lot of insults at Project Alpha, directed by quote-unquote directed by Dick Lowry, starring Alf, and Eric had a lot to say. We were we did some counter-arguments about why Project Alf is either a monstrosity, it sucks, it's horrific, it's horrible, it's miserable. That's how I feel, but Eric had some really good things to say about it. So listen to our full-fledged argument or discussion and see where Bruce lies in this argument, whether he enjoyed Project Alf or not. We're not going to give away that, whether... Bruce's reaction to Project Alf. We also talk about Pro- Hard Eight, so check it out. $5 catch-all for Cinematics. Our Patreon members, thank you so much for supporting us. Our non-Patreon members, thank you for listening to us here on Cinematics. We have two really good features for to cover this week. We have May, December, a movie directed by Todd Haynes, Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky. Eric, Todd Haynes fan, huge. Are you a huge Todd Haynes fan like Anderson Cowan is? I think Bruce is a huge oh. I really liked, uh, was it Dark Waters, the one with Mark Mm -hmm. Ruffalo? Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's, yep. I think I saw another one of his movies. That's that's the only one I remember. Velvet Goldmine, Far From Heaven. Okay, yeah, Velvet Goldmine. I I haven't seen Far From Heaven. Velvet Goldmine was good. That Karen Carpenter story thing, what is it, whatever that's called, Bruce? Oh, the one with the Barbies or whatever? Yeah. yeah. I I, I remember Anderson talking about it. I, I haven't seen that. I, yeah, so that movie that movie is pretty interesting. I'd say that has one of the most amazing scenes ever, and it's done with Barbies of a a music artist selling their soul as they go to shake hands with the music executive, and the way they play that is quite something. It's quite so. Do you think Todd Haynes is quite something over the years, Bruce? Is he is he a filmmaker that you will watch no matter what, bar none, because of? The name Todd Haynes? Well, I would say yes, but I haven't seen all of his movies, so I guess not. Velvet but, Goldmine, you, you liked, I'm sure. You've yeah, Velvet Goldmine, Safe, um, Far From Dark Heaven. Waters, mm-hmm. uh, Far From Heaven, pretty much all the ones you listed. I have not seen Carol. And there's another one I don't think I've seen. Um, oh, Carol. Oh, I haven't, seen the, I haven't seen the Bob, was... the Bob Dylan one. I haven't seen the Bob Dylan Oh, I'm not here. I'm yeah. not here, right. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, but, you saw um, that? No. But yeah, as a director, I think he's really interesting. Really, uh, he takes things that seem kind of like middle of the road movies, and he always gives them an interesting kind of twist. I think so. Well, let's see if that interesting twist con- continues to hold with his later latest film, May December. Bruce and I will be reviewing that 
all three of us, I have no idea. I thought going into today, I thought I was going to be the only one to do the movie loop track. I was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to take one for the team this one this time. I'm, I'll be the only one to talk about it. But well, I guess Bruce and Eric jumped under the gun and they decided to actually review loop track with me. So all three of us will inter- will review this. How would you describe it, Eric? A horror thriller, psychological thriller? Does this movie fly? <laughs> so I'm sorry. Okay. I would uh, describe it as uh, <laughs> skip to the last 15 minutes. Oh, you would skip to the last 15 minutes. Okay. Well, we're going to see what Eric thinks about whoa, <laughs> loop track. Okay. And we have some couple of other recommendations, whatnot. Eric, Bruce, before we get into our features, you want to say anything to promote or off the top of your head? I know you recently, we talked about middle-class film class last week. Anything you guys want to talk about before we get into the reviews? We're hitting that time of the season. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. No one cares. Move on. Oh, move on. Yeah. Unless, unless you want a chance to win the handmade Die Hard there ornament <laughs> that middle class film class is promoting. Yeah, they're doing a really great job. That's Peter Beta, Tyler Noe, and Justin Navarro. They're doing a great job with the middle class film class. They're building up their YouTube channel. They have a, they do, they actually uh, broadcast their podcast live via twitch on weekends i believe bruce is that correct bruce and eric yeah you go yeah. in and you listen to their stuff and they do a great Those job over there. young technical whippersnappers can Those show it. us how to do this stuff yes we're just oh, yeah. old men i don't know peter beta i don't know anything about obs i just know about bs and i know i twitch but i don't know anything about the channel we inscribe this on tablets and, and, and drop it off <laughs> to airplanes onto people That's right no no it's something tech savvy to me is a loop-to-loop uh, straw so i mean what what those guys do with their stuff and obviously i, I believe uh, Ty, it's not tyler joseph joseph is the the great editor among them as far as the video editor so they got a really good mix there so we're just a ragtag crew i mean eric's a good artist and bruce is eloquent and I'm a pretty good glad hander. Don't don't we have, we have some complimentary powers? Do we not, Eric Holmes? I think so, and I'm yeah. I'm happy you call me an artist. What you are? An artist. I feel pretty good about that. You you so, you see you see so beauty what are in we? What? the Avengers. That's the Marvels. What are what are we? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know with the loop tracks. We'll, I don't we'll know. Throw it out there to people. Oh, Poopy, I know what I forgot to say. Poopy, Poopy Perky, Perky right? Made an appearance. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot thank about you, that. Thank you, Ryan Smith, for that beautiful artwork. Bruce, can you just elaborate on what Ryan Smith did? Our <laughs> I, wonderful I, I, buddy there. I can't. I was horrified. My <laughs> eyes are still burning from the vision. Uh, I'm, and I'm like, well, you know. Between that and Hellraiser, I've I've been immortalized in art. So. <laughs> oh, speaking yes, of that, uh, yes. speaking of that, we do have a new uh, thing up on the uh, merch store, finderfilmpodcast.com. Yes, I'm not going to say what it is here, but you can go on there and check it out and buy it if you like, or don't if you don't want to. But there's a uh, there's a new poster I put up. Is there a time window or time limit on these? There's a very um, extremely short time window because I don't know how long it'll be till they take it down. Okay, well check it out. I well findyourfilmpodcast.com. See what Eric Holmes has in store for our Find Your Film and our Cinematics merch. Now let's get to our features. Starting with May December, this movie was released in select theaters November seventeenth. Comes out on Netflix. December 1st, directed by Todd Haynes, screenplay by Sammy Birch. And here's the thing. Here's, I'm going to read the logline. 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation, a married couple, played by Julianne Moore and Charles Melton, buckles under the pressure when an actress 
actually she's a TV actress played by Natalie Portman, arrives to do research for a film about their past. That's the simple plot line behind May, December. Set in Savannah, Georgia. The way this movie's shot, it's weird because I don't know, Bruce, did you get that visual technique of this movie? It feels like it was shot, maybe shot on film. It has a very gauzy, hazy effect to the whole thing. It's set in 2015, but it feels like it's set in early 90s. I don't know. There's something weird visually about this movie that I enjoyed. And this, like Todd Haynes, you were talking about how he just sort of subverts the genre. It could be looked at as a campy soap opera melodrama. It can be considered possibly a thriller due to the music, the pacing, the shots, or it could be sort of this steamy romance. Or I mean, not not steamy romance. It's sort of a, it, it, it seems exploitative a little bit because that's the actual nature of it. An older woman seduces a seventh grader. Okay. So there's a lot of different tabloidy elements, thriller elements, kind of, but maybe not so much, but it features some really great performances by Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman. The surprise for me was Charles Melton, Riverdale actor, gaining 40 pounds for this movie to play a 36-year-old. We actually see him, and he ends up being, in my opinion, the heart and soul of the movie. That was my read on it. Bruce, your read on May, December, is this a Todd, another Todd Haynes banger, or was this a disappointment for you? It was not a disappointment for me. Um, I didn't really know what to expect from this movie. I, I think it is another banger. I think that won't work for everybody, and it's a very particular flavor. To me, this uh, this might be a second, and I don't know if he has a trilogy. Maybe I haven't seen all of his movies, but this could be like a second a trilogy that goes with Far From Heaven, where there are these half-campy, melodramatic, suburban stories, but with an art house kind of twist that he gives them. A perfect example is this is obviously, obviously patterned after Mary Kay Letourneau. So for those of our age group that remember the whole Mary Kay Letourneau stand scandal, this is almost as if he took that idea and said like, what if you took that scandal and you just dropped an actress into their lives 20 years later and said, how is this person going to research their role? And how, what are they going to find out has happened in the aftermath? What, do, what does the family of this person look like now? And what does the old family of this person look like now? And what do the neighbors think about all this? All that kind of stuff. I think this is a movie of really sublimely awkward moments throughout with some very sly comedic elements built into it, but very subtle and some great visual stuff going on as well. I, I think as I think back about this movie... There are scene after scene after scene that I think I could go back and watch and really appreciate. Uh, just a couple I'll mention. I'm not going to mention, like, spoil anything. The fact that the moment the actress arrives, she arrives during a um, it's a graduation pick or a barbecue, I think, or something like that. Sort of a barbecue and celebration, yeah. yeah. So she arrives to the house. She's going to hang out with her for a while to study. To study what is the name of the actual character she's studying? Uh, Gracie. Gracie is a Mary Kay Letourneau character, right? Played by uh, Julianne Moore. And when Natalie Portman's character, uh, Elizabeth, shows up, no one answers the door. So you know how you come to someone's door and you see the mail on the doorstep and you pick it up? She picks up the mail, walks around the back, and immediately they're like, oh, no, another one. And they just know instinctively this is a box of shit. And this just sets the scene like, wow, these people have been living 20 years away from this scandal. And they're still getting boxes of shit in the mail. Oh, I guess I'm not supposed to swear, am I? No, it's okay. I'll bleep it out. You can bleep it out. Like a box of 
Actual excrement? excrement. Yes, extra yeah. excrement. Oh wow! Um, so, and then another little other little scenes, but there's great scenes like, for example, the Natalie Parkman character goes various places. Like she wants to go to the places and talk to the people that are involved in his life, like his his former family that obviously have all become somewhat estranged because mom had an affair with a seventh grader, <laughs> you know, and that's really interesting. Those scenes are really interesting. And there's a scene where she goes to the new daughter's high school drama class and they ask her questions about like oh what's a what's a sex scene like when you're performing and that's very interesting i think i agree with you 100% the charles melton performance is amazing because he is an adult playing an adult who is stunted yes who in mannerisms and in the way he deals with the world he is about 14 and Don't look at me done, like that. Don't yeah, look at me when you say that. Emotionally stunted. It's done. How <laughs> dare you, Bruce? He physically acts it that way, and he and he emotionally acts it that way, and it's very subtle and very interesting. And the dynamic between him and um, Julianne Moore is amazing. And also, I think subtly, this movie is also a whole bunch about Natalie Portman's character. Yeah. And I think she is the character who has the true arc in this movie. And if you kind of think about where she goes from the beginning to the end of this movie and how she interacts throughout this pathway and what she's doing, it's very interesting. <laughs> so I thought yeah. this is a pretty, pretty great movie. Actually. We don't have time to do it, but if we ever did a spoiler, it would be great to just break down the character's arc for Elizabeth. Elizabeth is, mm-hmm. <laughs> is it really like who actually has that hero's journey in this narrative? And I think what's also interesting is the character arc of Gracie without giving too much away. I think when you, when you think, okay, well, she is a predator, obviously with what she did years ago, what is going on in her brain? What are her motivations? And those things are explored in, I think, I feel in a very oblique fashion in this movie and the interpretation. And I think it's a good thing can be gleaned from the viewer. So I, I really ascribed a lot of, value to this movie and it's visually there's Bruce you actually screenshotted one of the more interesting visual moments in the <laughs> yeah. film regarding mirrors and of course you've seen I'm sure listeners you've seen so some of the promotional photos where you have Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore looking in the mirror they're side by side together sort of like an Ingmar Bergman persona type of situation yes right. Bruce I was gonna say and how about the scene where <laughs> Julianne Moore puts makeup on Natalie Portman's character Right. Amazing scene as well. There's so many. Look, what Bruce mentioned is some really great, interesting scenes featuring Portman and Julianne Moore. There's a scene with Charles Melton playing Joe, and he is talking to his son. I'm not going to say where it's located, but it is. Wow. That one hit me like a ton of bricks, that one. So I this is actually, you know, you know what? Eric, you, you haven't seen, I oh know, Bruce, you haven't seen Carol. I think Eric might have seen Carol. I have Carol, Carol was one of my, is was my favorite film the year that was released. And maybe I might even actually willingly put Carol in the box since we're in a Todd Haynes mode right now. Just put it on that list. As much as I love Carol, that sequence with Joe and his son is right there, right there is peak emotional moment for me as far as Todd Haynes goes. So it's, I hope Charles Melton, Melton gets a nomination for this movie i i don't know it's i'm sure it's gonna be crowded but he's deserving of the talk at least bruce maybe deserving a oh, little yeah. bit of- i would say so for supporting actor for sure yeah. oh yeah yeah so anyways final thoughts on may december do you think this will get nominated does it deserve 
some nods in this award season, Bruce. I don't yeah, think it's probably flashy enough to get nominated much. Um, if I you were think, a voter, Bruce, would you would this be in your conversation? It definitely be in my conversation. I think this is a movie that's sneaky. I think this is a movie that over time will actually grow in people's um, opinion as well, because this is one of those movies when you look back at it, I think it it is every scene is precise and is there for a reason. And the writing is very tight, but it's deceptively so. Bruce, I am a, CC, a critic's choice voter. And you're not supposed, I don't think you're supposed to give your, your nominations out, but you know, I'm, I'm quite a disgraceful individual. All, all of the mean, bad things I said to Eric Holmes today, vis-a-vis Project Alpha, I apologize to you, Eric Holmes. It was just me and Greg coming out. I will say this, Natalie Portman, in consideration my in my feeble brain for Best Actress nomination, I'm, I might I may vote for her. She might be one of the people I, I pick. She supporting does act- really, really great stuff in this. Yes. Yeah. The like last the last scene is amazing, and the scene where she does like a monologue to the to the screen, uh, but and she's reading yeah. a note. Yeah. Uh, pretty oh funny. my gosh. Oh my gosh. And the, you know, it's that's what adults do, Bruce. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Julianne Moore is Gracie, supporting actress, right? Supporting actress, and definitely Christopher Charles Melton, it's supporting actor. That's that would be my nominations. I mean, that as far as voting at CCA, I might, I might I'm thinking about those those uh, three people. You know what, Eric? You've got Netflix. Do you think? May, December, is that my, it, you have a lot of movies to cover next week. Is that down the road? You might want to see that movie as well. Yes. In fact, uh, Carol was not on my list, uh, but uh, you mentioned, time, like, it, it just looked like a homework to me when it came out. Like, I remember it, it came out and I was like, yeah. no way hell I'm watching this, but I was like, oh, it's Todd Haynes, person that did the the Dark Waters. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. I think you might like it, Eric, the same way you like Phantom Thread. Yes, Bruce. Not to deblaber it, but one last thing. We have to call out Georgie, her son, played by uh, Corey Michael Smith, her son from her former marriage. <laughs> this so is amazing character as well. <laughs> that guy should have his own movie. Right? <laughs> right. He should just be, he should play in a cover band in Savannah and just follow his journey right from there. Right? This, this is, I tell you, this is one of those movies you watch and you go, that was pretty good. I, I guarantee you, you watch this movie, but that's pretty good. And as you think back on it, things will keep coming back to you and you're going to be like, that movie is actually really great. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, look, this is my rating. It could go up, but I'm going to say right now, my rating for May, December is an easy four and a half stars. Bruce. Same, same, exactly the same. And probably will go up too. I I don't have much bad to say about it. And I think on a rewatch, this will rise because I think it's one of those movies like we just talked about. If you have Patreon, you can hear us talk about it. Um, uh, We just talk about, um, how the first time you see you're kind of getting your bearings for what's going on. But on the second time, I would probably catch all the little intentional stuff that's going along in here and just all those little moments. This is also kind of like Big Lebowski where it's the character moments that you really love. And this movie is chock full of them. Look, we both gave it four and a half stars. That means go see May, December. And I still feel like me and Bruce are undercutting the rating. That's how much I think we both enjoyed. I'm glad we both are on the same wavelength. Okay, so now let's get, well, that's it. Friday, December 1st on Netflix. Check it out. Check it out. Most importantly, tell all us three what you think of May, December. Now, four and a half stars. Will that rating be levied on this movie called Loop Track? Loop Track is a New Zealand film. Bruce, you are shaking your head. How <laughs> dare you? This is you're like, this is not May, December. It could be this five. Is, it could be five. You don't know. <laughs> you're like, this is not May, December. This is more like April Fool's. F you, Greg, for making me watch this. Anyways, Loop Track. And it centers on a four-day journey that turns into a fight for survival 
And Thomas Sainsbury, he is also the writer and director of Loop Track. He plays Ian. The movie starts with Ian, goes to a car park, parks his car on the middle of the forest. He's ready for a hike. Before he goes into the hike, he actually- Is he ready for a hike? I don't think he's ready for a hike. About as but ready for a hike Sorry. as I am because I'm horribly, I'm out of shape and I'm not a very good hiker. But what's interesting is he looks, as he's leaving, he's in his car and he, I think he rolls down the windows. He, he looks somewhere in the distance and he thinks he sees something like in, in, at the other car. And you're th- already thinking, there's nothing there. So Ian must be either paranoid, he might be losing his mind, but then someone else pops up and this person tries to talk to him and you can tell immediately Ian is very antisocial. He's doesn't like, yeah, he doesn't like to talk to people. He wants to be left alone. He wants, even though Eric says, is Ian ready for the hike? Well, no matter what, whether he's ready or not, he really wants to go out into this forest in New Zealand all alone by himself. The only problem is uh, on the way, he meets this guy who's been following him for about half an hour to an hour. That's played by Hayden J. Wheel. He plays this guy named Nikki, and he's an ultimate nightmare to Ian because he's jovial. He talks out of his you-know-what, and Ian, who wants some peace and quiet, is actually pretty much harangued by Nikki's incessant chatter. And Nikki supposedly means well because he's just a social guy, but does Nikki mean well? Is something going on with Nikki? This is the stuff that's going on in Ian's head, and he's starting to see other see something in the distance as well. Also, we have to mention there's two other people who Nikki and Ian come across, and these four people serve as the anchor to the narrative of Loop Track. Again, written and directed by Thomas Sainsbury. A lot of it, if not most of it, is a slow burn psychological thriller. As Eric likes to say, it's a certain way until it's not. Okay? So either that's good or bad. Eric alluded to the final 15 minutes of the movie, which we won't spoil. But yeah, it's something until it's not. Now, Eric Holmes, Loop Track, you, you're you the freshest one as far as seeing this movie. Your thoughts on this movie? I hated it. And mostly because of the character even. Not how Thomas Dainsbury uh, performed. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's performed very well. It's just his character. It's the same reason why I didn't really... Uh, I, I didn't think of Bo is Afraid until we were talking in the, the message thing and Bruce mentioned Bo is Afraid. I'm like, that's the movie I was thinking of. I hate that character. That character is just so annoying to follow. Uh, Ian is uh, definitely antisocial and he's not very, he doesn't speak his mind. So a lot of the movie is Ian being afraid, just going, and it's like, just, oh God, please move past this, immediately move past this. I do not want to watch this movie. And the movie continues to go on. Ian keeps being afraid of things. And I'm getting more and more annoyed of this movie until the last 15 minutes. And we cannot talk about it, but the last 15 minutes is awesome. I love everything about the last 15 minutes. This is like kind of like a unwelcome, uh, the, the movie with the red caps. Like I hated that movie. Until you got to the part where the the red caps show. Now there's no red caps in this, but it's it's same idea of I'm just watching this movie, just trying to get through it, just wishing it would be over until it hits a point where I'm like, okay, this is the movie I wanted to see now. Unfortunately for this movie, the movie that I wanted to see is the last 15 minutes, so that's a 15 minute short. Everything before it was like I I just get rid of that. You don't need any of that. You need to start the movie at an hour. 
I'd say if the movie started about an hour in, you get a little character stuff building up to the last 15 minutes. It'd be a good like half hour short, I think. Um, or just extend that that part out more. But man, I, yeah, uh, the the character of Ian was just unbearable for me. And I I just kept waiting for the movie to be over. Yeah. And then once it got to the end, I was like, because Bruce said, uh, there's a thing that happens. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll trust Bruce. And he was not wrong. That that <laughs> that last last bit was like, this saved the movie for me. Thank you, Bruce, for making me stick it out. But man, that was tough getting there. It was so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce, you're... Your thoughts on loop track? I'm pretty similar to Eric. I mean, the problem with this is, okay, so say, for example, in Unwelcome, you understand the characters early on. You understand what they're doing. You understand why they're doing it. You may not like it. And then it changes and becomes something else. And then you may like it more. Uh, Bo is Afraid. A whole bunch of stuff happens in Bo is Afraid. You may not like his character, but there's a ton of stuff going on to watch. So it's easier, I think, for people to grasp onto that one. This one, the problem is, I don't understand why his character is even doing what it's doing. He, he acts so afraid and so nervous and so weird. Like, why is he going out? It, the whole, whole time I'm asking, he's there for another reason, right? He's going to there here to, I kept thinking of like the suicide forest in, in Japan. I said, sure. I kept thinking like, I kept thinking like, oh, maybe he murdered his family and he's, he's freaked out and he's traumatized and he's just going to go end it. He's going out to this forest to kill himself and he keeps encountering other people and they keep messing up his plans. So he just wants to be alone so he can do this and he doesn't have the nerve. I kept trying to ascribe reasons to his behavior existing in the world that we're given. And I could not make it work. <laughs> it was just, he's in this world. He's nervous to the point that the, the other characters at some point eventually say, they all talk to each other and they go like, uh, basically this guy's unstable. We need to get him help. Let's let's get him back to let's get him back to civilization because he's he's lost it. Uh, which to their credit, <laughs> they got to that point. It took it took an hour and ten minutes to get there. But I agree pretty much with Eric. I say what this movie should be, it should mostly be what the last fifteen minutes is. That's what you come for. When you see it, you'll say yes. That's what I'd like to watch. That's the fun part. So this should take maybe fifteen or twenty minutes. Introduce a the variety of characters we meet, which is about six people, get them all together, set up the situation and let the rest of the last 15 minutes be the last 40 minutes of this movie and let it be an adventure of that sort. And it would be um, a fun genre pick if they did that, but they don't do that. And what ends up, it ends up being what Bruce? Little too little late. Too little, little, too little, like too little, too late. <laughs> Something like that. Too little, I said it too backwards. Late. Little, well, that's upside down. You know, it's in New Zealand. There you go. <laughs> little too little late. <laughs> well, so you were expecting something else, Bruce, from this, and it just completely underdelivered. It didn't deliver well, whatsoever. By the time we were finally got to what it was, I thought, well, this is going to be some one of those movies where it's like, uh, I guess, an examination of a psychological unraveling of a person, which I wasn't that interested in. So I was happy when it was something else. But it was weird that it took that long to get to it. It was very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Loop track was brilliant. I love this movie. <laughs> it's just not brilliant. Every no. fiber of my existence. This is this is actually, I was gonna say, <laughs> if it wasn't for May December, this is a top pick for me for, for loop track. It hits digital digital platforms on Friday. I'm going to highly recommend that Spruce laughs and he's choking. I'm sorry, Bruce. I'm sorry, Bruce. I'm not kidding. It's 94 minutes. My only complaint is it could have been a hundred minutes. I wanted, 
a little bit more backstory on Ian. Bruce, you raised excellent points about Ian. What I loved about this movie, if I can make myself a little bit clear, is throughout most of this movie, you're wondering if Ian is mentally ill. Is he just uh, nervous? I, I wasn't wondering. I knew. But go on. Okay, well, you, I mean, there's stuff that happens. Okay, you knew he was mentally ill. But there were a lot of things. What is his backstory? Why is he going into the bush, the New Zealand bush? Why? Are these questions answered? Didn't I'm, care. What? I didn't care, but go on. Okay, <laughs> I did care. I thought Thomas Sainsbury does an, a great job as Ian. Excellent performances. And I really like the people around him. The people yeah. who are trying to humor him and trying to sort of dance around his supposed mental illness or his instability. They're trying to go along with him during all these hikes to from hut to hut. I, lo- I love the environment. I love the location. I love the pacing, the tension of it all. The performances were excellent. And the third act, when you actually get some of the answers, I think a lot of people will not like this movie because it doesn't give you all of the answers you're looking for. But as far as a tense, tensely paced thriller with some excellent performances and a great third act, I love Loop Track. This is an absolute maybe trash for Bruce and Eric, but this is an unmitigated, just a high level gem for me. I love Loop Track. I am going to, this is going to be one of my top recommends for this year. Now, final thoughts from Eric and Bruce regarding Loop Track. I will push back. I don't think this movie is trash. I think a lot of this movie like is shot well. The performances are good. It's just that it's just that main character. And again, not the performance of the character, but the character, the character of Ian just really rubbed me the wrong way. And I just I I hated that character and just wanted it to something to happen. And yeah, I felt like, look, he's in the car. He's like scared of everyone. Like, I, I don't need the answers of why he's scared. I just need him to not be in the movie. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, d- d- like, dude, just stay home. No, like, I, I don't care. But you know, it, yeah. like, like if it was, if it was like all the rest of the characters, the rest of the characters were fine. You know, they're a bit over the top, or you know, what, whatever. But the, the rest of the characters were fine. It was, I think, it was Ian that was just bugging the yeah. ever living crap out of me throughout the entire thing. Very, very good. And, yeah, yeah. And, so. Until the last fifteen minutes. And then, yeah. holy crap. Again, and on on the flip side, I love these type of characters. So Eric and I diverge on this. I love Ian. He's one of my more memorable characters in cinema in the yeah. year 2023. So we are complete night and day on Ian. What is your rating, Eric? Well, I, I would also absolutely agree. He's a memorable character, just not one I like. Um, if I'm rating this on the last 15 minutes, this easily gets a five star possibly 6.9 star banger everything before that is like one star so kind of split the difference go two and a half on this two and a half stars okay cool on loop track bruce yeah i'm for different reasons but i'm also two and a half stars two no close to three not bad two and a half stars for loop track (laughs) for eric and bruce bruce what is my rating on loop track um i'm gonna say four and a half four and a half stars it is thank you bruce Good job, Eric. Four and a half stars for me for Loop Track. See this movie. It comes out Friday, December 1st. Available for rent. I'm going to leave a link. Hit me up and yell at me if I'm wrong on this. I love this movie. Obviously, I'm sure you guys trust Bruce and Eric more than me. I didn't interview anyone for this. I have no stake in the game. I love this movie. 
Yes. I, I, I will say uh, to come to your defense, um, even though you like the first part, like way more than oh, I did. I that, yeah. I think if people do rent this and they get to that, the last 15 minutes, I think they're going to be like, that was money well spent. Everything leading up to it, it's anyone's guess whether they go your your route or ours. But I think the three of us agree that the last the last third act was worth a watch. Yes. 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 All yeah. Right. And Bruce, finally, let's let's uh, temper this. Can you you want to tell the audience, the listeners, to please save their money and go someplace else? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no, it's you know it's people's taste. I don't know. I just say if people are here for what the last fifteen minutes it is i think they'll be disappointed that more of the movie wasn't that that's what yeah. i would say okay that is fair okay again that's four and a half stars for me and two and a half stars for bruce and eric for loop track again vod and digital platforms december 1st from dark sky films now we're closing our show with a couple of recommends stamped from the beginning bruce perky came out on netflix <laughs> about a week ago and it's yeah. from a director who I like because I saw a movie of his years back called Life Animated, and I really like that documentary. But tell us what this is about. Yeah, Roger Ross Williams, if I wrote it down correctly. Yes. Um, this I just first of all, this was my biggest whiplash of probably the year because I think I think I watched Project Alpha and then I watched this <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> which could be about the most diametrically opposed movies possible. This oh, is so this is going to be a one star movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is basically. Um, basically the history of racism in America. So <laughs> it's very, very lighthearted, um, but it's pretty incredible uh, in its own right. Well, I, I guess I'd say it's, it's, it's very solid in its own right. The thing that I think the only thing that has going against it is if you're doing the history of racism in America, that's a huge subject. So it tends to be hitting a lot of the big points and a lot of historical stuff. That's very interesting, very hard to hear and hard to think about, but depending on your level of, knowledge you might learn a lot or at least get more understanding of things you already knew the downside of that is it doesn't it doesn't have that focused impact that uh, uh, something like attica has where you pick an event to demonstrate you know how racism has just infiltrated so many aspects of american society by doing a specific time and place and event you can really i guess distill it and just have a huge emotional focused impact i think whereas this is a little more of it has a little more of a history lesson aspect to it but what it does do is it's the exact diametrically opposed to the concept against quote critical race theory right this is this is like in every aspect saying like why that that as a negative is the stupid concept because the idea of not knowing what the actual history is means you are just not understanding America society or the world society, but especially American society in general, if you don't understand some of these things and where they came from. So I think as Eric is fond to say, and I think he's absolutely right, the right people will never watch this movie, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but, and what I always say about these kind of movies is if the people who are well-intentioned, but uninformed watch this kind of movie, it might help a little bit, you know, and that's the way I look at it. And uh, it's that way I'd say, I'd say for me, it's like a three and a half because it's solid, it gives information that's very valuable, and I would definitely recommend it, but it doesn't have that artistic focused punch, I guess I would say. Okay. That is stamped from the beginning, currently streaming on Netflix. Three and a half stars for Bruce. Sounds like a good movie, just as far as its educational purposes. So right, solid, recommend it down the middle. Eric, you're going to lead us out with a couple of quick recommends. 
Yes. Well, we'll start off with uh, Thanksgiving. Don't have much to say about it. Loved it. Eli Roth, big fan of his. And this is probably top tier Eli Roth based on his, the Grindhouse trailer. The, you needed me to tell you that because no one on this planet knew that Thanksgiving was based off a of Grindhouse trailer. What else <laughs> but, is top tier Eli Roth in your opinion? Definitely House with a Clock in its Walls. And in fact, I think Eli Roth needs to do more kids movies because like House with the Clock in Its Walls, I don't know how well it did, like box office wise, but he just nails like kids horror. Like it, it's scary enough to scare kids, but not so scary that it would damage them. It'll damage them a little bit. House with the Clock in Its Walls would be top tier. Oh, that, so you're seeing that you feel, oh, you, can't, wait, you were saying, so the House with the Clock in Its Walls, you feel that's underrated. That movie's a little bit underrated. Oh, extremely underrated. I think if like kids at a certain age watch it, they would grow up. That would be like one of their favorite movies. I'm pretty sure about that. And I okay. wish Eli Roth would do more kids movies like that because he's fantastic at it. I mean, he just did the one, but it was a really good one. Cabin Fever, obviously. Uh, love Green Inferno. They did the watch along for Film Vault. People think it's campy, but I, I dig it. The Death Wish remake. I like that. I'm probably the only one other than Eli Roth likes that one, but uh, I do like the Death Wish remake. Knock Knock's probably bottom tier, but I still like Knock Knock. The Hostel movies, probably also bottom tier. I think I like Hostel 2 better. In fact, I liked Hostel the first time I saw it, and then Hostel 2 came out, and I'm like, I don't need to watch Hostel again. Hostel 2 is the movie. Not knocking Hostel, but it's like, uh, there's been a couple bands where like I really liked an album they came out with, and then when they came out with the next album, I don't even listen to that first album anymore because the second album's so much better. And then they come out with the third album. And I don't even listen to the first two albums because that third album's, you know, where it's at. But uh, they, that, that's kind of where I'm at with uh, Eli Roth. Thanksgiving is definitely, I probably put it side by side with House with a Clock in Its Walls. Uh, just actually, this might be my favorite Eli Roth because it's got the it's got the humor. It's uh, like he does the uh, the social commentary of Black Friday and blah blah blah. But he also has fun with it because Eli. Ross, not one of those filmmakers that takes himself too seriously. Is it very gory? Like, Thanksgiving? Is it very, very? Oh, gory? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's, uh, I think a couple of people have mentioned it. So it's not too much of a spoiler, but there's a part where someone's, let's say someone's being cooked and they have one of those turkey poppers and like the turkey popper pops. But it's like in a real comedic way that Eli Roth is really good at. But I don't know of the people that don't like Eli Roth's movies. I don't know why they don't. So I can't say if this would be one that, oh, if you hate Eli Roth, this will be the one to bring you back in. I have no idea. I just like all his movies. I appreciate his humor and his gore. And Thanksgiving is incredibly fun. This one doesn't have a throwback look like the uh, trailer, the fake trailer does. I kind of wish that I kind of wish you would have leaned into that, but it is what it is. Really fun Thanksgiving horror movie. Go check it out. Uh, If you dig Eli Roth, you'll like it. If you don't, maybe you'll like this more than you like his other movies. I couldn't tell you one way or another, but I really enjoyed it. What's your rating on it? On the the Eli Roth scale, probably go. Four and a half. Four and a half. Okay, cool. Four and a half, maybe five. Like the, this is this is one I could watch every Thanksgiving. Uh, with with, with the whole uh, Die Hard thing, it'd be like Thanksgiving's Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's stupid. But uh, yeah, th- this that would sounds be like a Project Alf joke. Stop, stop with that. That sounds like a Project ah, Alf. I kill me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- this would this would be one I would I would watch every year and be okay. happy about it. Uh, th- it was incredibly fun, and it was stupid in places and gory in other places. And that's kind of this is kind of the movie you come for for that sort of thing. And quickly, uh, Napoleon. Oh God! I also saw Napoleon. We don't need to. You know, are you, first of all, are you a big Ridley Scott fan? I do like uh, some of Rid- Ridley Scott's movies. Don't like all of them. What doesn't work about Napoleon? The fact that it's a movie about Napoleon, I think, is the main thing. Like, so for instance, was it Stanley Kubrick was supposed mm-hmm. to make a Napoleon movie or right. a seven-part series about Napoleon? It would have been interesting to see it just because it's Stanley Kubrick. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, why Napoleon? Like. He's, he, he wears a stupid taco hat and he's like a fr- short French guy. And like, what's what sell me on Napoleon? What is it about Napoleon that's interesting? Oh, he was a, he was great. Uh, you know, he's a great it, he, uh, strategist. What, what, yeah, a great strategist. strategist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't get any of that from this movie. Oh, he's uh, he was the emperor and it was about his rise of power. That's not interesting. He was short ish, I guess. That's not interesting. There's like the only thing cool about this movie is there's an opening uh, opening battle that was really cool. And I mean, most of it happened in pitch black, but, you know, whatever. It, 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 the parts that you could see look pretty cool. And then there's the Battle of Waterloo, like way at the end. That was cool, but it just kind of kept going and going and going. And everything in the middle was like. Why am I watching this? I don't care. There's a couple parts that are like undercover funny because uh, Napoleon's kind of a whiner. At least he is in this. He like he cries a lot, like not like full on cries, but just like, oh, they got a, they got a Navy. I don't mean there's something with him and his uh, his wife, Josephine. There's like some some sexual tension there and some sexual untension there as well. I guess that was fine. This movie is rough. It is long. I don't understand who looks at the story of Napoleon and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something incredibly interesting about Napoleon. Apparently Stanley Kubrick thought there was something interesting. Kubrick says it's important. I'm I'm just going to, it's not, I mean, if that's what he thinks, then that's fine. I guess Um, he, he's definitely knows more about filmmaking than I ever could like learning about Napoleon in school. There was never anything about Napoleon. That's like, Ooh, cool. They should make a movie about that. Then again, there wasn't anything about Spartacus. I thought would be interesting. And that movie was rad. So who knows? Maybe Stanley Cooper could have made a great Napoleon movie. I can tell you Ridley Scott did not. And then I also heard that Steven Spielberg is going to do a seven part miniseries on Napoleon. And I will be missing that and be absolutely happy about it because Unless someone can come up to me and really like, you don't have to, I'm just a stupid podcaster. And when I'm not podcasting, I'm just a dude. So whatever, but I would be interested for someone that's like really interested in Napoleon to say, Hey, Eric, here's what's great about Napoleon and really sell me on what a great movie or mini series or whatever on Napoleon would be because I did not get it from this movie. This movie was again, other than the couple of funny scenes here and there and the uh the battles were kind of cool why do we there's need a, Napoleon there's a movie, movie there's a movie called Napoleon from 1927 I'm sure that I'm sure that's boring five, too but go on 5 hours and 30 minutes considered one of the okay. greatest masterpieces in cinema I have no 
reference whatsoever to that to this. I don't even five know how hours. to five hours. I think it's a just a. I, it might be a short. It's a massive six hour biopic. <laughs> five hours short. <laughs> no massive six hour biopic of Napoleon. I remember when it was yeah when it was reissued and it's considered just a classic in cinema. I have no idea if it's any good, but that Maybe. might be answer some of the questions i don't even know i don't even know if it's a streaming on criterion channel but supposedly it's a classic but i don't think there's any other 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 napoleon type of movies that would prove or dispute your point about if napoleon is interesting or not so you know what maybe just just out of curiosity maybe i'll give it like a half hour but yeah there's i i don't understand like I could see, a, I guess I could see a Napoleon movie if it's like, you know, he's a strategist. Like if, if you could get into the the weeds of that, like Napoleon, like here's what we need to do. And here we're going to do this, this, and this. And you get to watch him strategize the the battles and everything. And then watch yeah. the battles play out. That could be interesting maybe, but I mean, they don't do it here. So that's a moot point. Do you like any of other release movies? Like for example, King oh, of yeah. Heaven. What Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood? Oh no, those kind of movies. Those kind of. Epic. So I saw, I saw like half a Kingdom of Heaven. I heard like the director, the director's the cut is movie. like way better, but I didn't like the first cut. So you know, why? Uh, hey, here's what you didn't like, but longer. Cool. No, it's it's night and day. The first cut is just the first cut is on Project Alpha levels. Kingdom, Kingdom of Heaven theatrical cut. It's like first a zero. Cut. Star. It's first a zero. cut was not a masterpiece, but go on. Yeah, first cut the the, the yeah Kingdom of. Kingdom of Heaven, the, uh, the the first cut, the theatrical cut is just a zero star movie for me. But yeah. Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut, is five stars. But Bruce, yeah. are you going to watch Napoleon or not? I don't feel like, very compelled to watch it. And I know when it comes out on Apple TV Plus, I think it's supposed to be four hours long. So <laughs> that's going to be so interesting. I don't know. I okay. Here, here here's the thing. So the four hour cut. This was like I think two and a half hours. So they're adding an extra hour and a half and maybe the extra hour and a half adds more, uh, more story to it. That's interesting, but why make a four hour cut? Why not just take the half hour that already works, jettison the two hours and take that hour and a half and make it a two hour good movie instead of, Hey, let's add an hour and a half to this kind of crap movie and then make it better. Like, but Zack Snyder does that crap all the time. Yeah. Hey, this movie sucked. Yeah, but wait till you hear. Wait till you see the director's cut. It's like, why didn't he just put out the director's cut? It was this like, is how- oh, 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 it's so much better. He adds so much stuff into it that 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 makes the movie better. It's like you should have done that the first time around, and then just cut all the crap that you put in the original cut because we didn't want to watch Sorry. that to begin with. <laughs> Eric, what is your rating on Napoleon? By the way, Ridley Scott's one of my all-time favorite filmmakers. So we'll see. I, I, I might I might hate Napoleon, but let's just say that The Counselor was my favorite film the year it was released. <laughs> That's how much I love Ridley Scott. But what is your rating on Napoleon? I know this movie's getting mixed reviews, by the way. This is, uh, this is probably... Like, the battle scene's really good. I kind of want to go star and a half. I might... You know what? I'll I'll be generous and bump it up two stars because I do like Ridley Scott for the most part. It looks the the visually it looks good. The battle scenes are good, but there's so much so much fat in this movie that needs to be trimmed. Like almost most of the movie needs to be trimmed. Wow. Okay. And from from the sounds of it, it will be well. It won't be trimmed. It'll just have. Eric, you went on for about twenty minutes on Napoleon. You went as long as the entire movie. Oh my God, this is this is. I had to suffer through that, so you had to suffer through the review. Oh my God, oh my God, that's that's as long as my diatribe on freaking Project Alf. Now I know, and now I know how you know. I think we we both are. 
too shade each other on this project alpha here, then you got here, you got here's it on the point if you plan on going to see napoleon wait for it to come out on streaming and then when it does start it then stop it and then go on youtube and watch project alpha instead <laughs> okay all right final thoughts we're done that's two stars for napoleon and bruce anything uh anything you yeah. want to say eric you want to say there is something i want to say yeah what's in the box oh, what's and in we the box first say, before yeah. we say that before we say that Oh yeah, 1983 for Patreon, December. It's going to be my pick. So no Project Alfies, no trash humping. There's going to be some interesting movies. We'll see. But we'll see. The people have a say too. You know what? Don't I love forget. trash humpers. I keep forgetting how much I the love people, trash humpers. The people have a say. They may pick something like that yes. and you're going to have to watch it. Anyway, That's true. Um, That's true. I think Peter Beta and crew, they'll do need to do something before I pick from the box. Oh, Yes. They need to drop Napoleon from their watch list, but after they do that, they can drop that beat. Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? Pain. All right, guys. What is it? What is it, Bruce? It is, it is, uh, sort of suggested by Andrew Martin, a movie that I've been meaning to see for years and years and years and just never have watched it. The In the Heat of the Night. In the Heat of the Night. So, the, In the Heat uh, of the Sydney, Night. Sydney Poitier. There you go. Yeah. 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 Sydney Poitier. Um, directed by Norman and, Jewison. Yeah. I, I'm sure I'll like it because I, everything about it sounds like right up my alley. So, I'm okay. waiting for it. Okay. All right. And if you have any suggestions for Bruce Berkey and What's in the Box, Email him at bruceperky at gmail.com. We are working on this master list as far as what's in the box. We haven't added I some. Moved, I moved a bunch into the box today. Okay, cool, cool. And we're going to talk about that as soon as we leave. Final thoughts, Eric Holmes? Oh, uh, yeah. We got uh, Godzilla Minus One coming out in theaters along with The Bike Riders. Uh, Saltburn, I believe, is expanding to theaters. So mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, the, How the Gringo Stole Christmas on VOD and digital. Yeah, we got that today, the screener, but the embargo's on Thursday. So, yep. Yeah. And uh, go on findyourfilmpodcast.com. There's a poster there for an extremely limited amount of time if you want it or just. If you want to just look at it, you can, but there it is. Cool. You will have to go on findyourfilmpodcast.com to know what it is, but it'll be like right at the top. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Eric's doing really cool work on that site. Bruce Perky, a.k.a. Loop Tracks number one fan. Any final thoughts? <laughs> no, no, I'm good today. I say just uh, if you want to know my actual score of Project Alf, usually I'll put it in the... Um, after we've done the reviews and stuff, I'll go ahead and I'll put it in our uh, letterboxed. Yes. I'm not going to put it in letterboxed because the only way you're going to find out is to get our Patreon. Very good. Very good. And we're, we're doing some early access interviews too. And I just have to do more work on the Patreon feed, but thank you listeners who support us on Patreon as well as not Patreon listeners for supporting us here on Cinematics. We'll see you next week. And of course, here's Glenn. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematics.